0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to Real Job Talk, the podcast about jobs, careers, and what isn't said at the water cooler.
1: Hey, Liz. Hey, Kat. Kat, I'm super excited today because we have a guest.
0: I am excited too.
1: In the world of internet connections, a few weeks ago, I was introduced to Alexis Pokorny as someone who would be an incredible podcast guest, and voila, she's here. Alexis is the owner of Open Deltas who refers to herself as a millennial, mindful millennial leader. Alexis brings her mindful approach to business, sales, and productivity. Alexis, please introduce yourself and share your phenomenal story so that people can get to know you.
0: Welcome, Alexis.
1: Awesome. Thank you, Kat and Liz, for having me um, for everybody out there.
2: Alexis Pocorny from Open Deltas. I started my journey a while ago. So was at Cisco for 12 years in various different sales roles. Most recently ran the New York sales and engineering business for Cisco out of New York City. Um, This is about a $200 million business and dealt with, I would say, the most difficult clients as well as employees across the country. And um, when we hit some headwinds from a business perspective, I leaned on a practice that I'd had outside of my work world, which was mindfulness. And I brought a program into the team uh, with a potential project and our uh, benefits team. We were able to realize significant improvements from a performance standpoint, from a culture standpoint, um, from an anxiety, and even just a general well-being. Um, So from there, the organization took notice of this uh, improvement. My team became a case study. I got to speak at our global sales meeting, and then I eventually rolled out a worldwide uh, mindfulness meditation for our entire organization, so about seventy thousand employees. And um, after that, just realized that this was my passion. That the corporate world really, really needed to figure out um, a different way of doing business, Um, given how popular my programs were and how widely adopted they became. um, I started my own business and. Within about three weeks of launching, I was off and running. Um, a, you know, an accidental business, really. I, I didn't know it was going to happen so fast. And now I work with Fortune 500 to Fortune 50 to little mom and pop shops and realtors um, across the country on how we figure out how to uh, be present in the moment and um, get rid of the multitasking and how we actually start to fine-tune some of these amazing processes that we have internal to our own um, neuroscience
0: and neurobiology. So Alexis, welcome to the show. This is a topic that is near and dear to my heart, and uh, I've been looking forward to talking to you all week. You talked a little bit about what led to founding Daily Deltas, but I'd love to know a little bit about what your goals are for the company. Yeah, I see it um,
2: growing into something that's a bit more uh, sustainable for the folks that, that need, you know, the professionals that need the support in the fast-paced environments. And, you know, we're in a touch screen society and it's really, really hard to get away from the glorification is busy and all of that goodness. And so, what I started with was a company where um, people would go through a four week program. And that was, you know, whether I was brought into the organization um, or they would subscribe and join my monthly online sessions. And so, it'd be four weeks. And I thought, oh, that's enough to really impact someone. And what I realized was that that four week session was just enough to make someone realize that the way that they were working was batshit crazy <laughs> and that they actually needed. To something more sustainable and long-term. And so what I'm rolling out in September is uh, more of a membership. So once you go through the programs, you can pay a very nominal monthly fee and you'll get the um, monthly coaching um, from me just as if you're going through the programs. And that's the way that I can fairly um, you know, scale my business, but still provide some really, really important content to people. Um, and like I've told people before, um, once I pay off the rest of the mortgage on my house, um, I'll be most likely going to a donation-based model. Um, I, I know that people will pay for my services because they're valuable, and I don't want it to be cost prohibitive. Um, you know The things that I'm teaching are neuroscience. They are public uh, you know, research and documentation the techniques that I'm teaching are also, you know, 3,000 years old and they're not mine. And it might be my particular personality and, and way that, you know, I communicate them that makes it special. But at the end of the day, this information is really for everybody. And so um, I feel very comfortable moving to a don- donation-based model
0: on the future of my business. Super cool. Super cool. I love that you're doing that.
1: So tell me a little bit more about being doing less, but being more productive. And like, how do you structure your day to get the most out of it while not working by working smart, not working hard or a lot?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'll just start with kind of a, a personal story here because I think it's the most effective way to, to prove a point. Um, when I started in sales, my manager had me do a review with him. And I went into this meeting and I had like six different slides with 50 different bullet points and initiatives I was driving. And he literally looked at me and was like, you realize you're in a sales role and you get paid commission, not by the hours that you work. And he was like, "I hardly doubt you're going to be able to get all of these things done." And um, and he said, "You know, just think about it this way: your peers came in here, most of them, with one slide and three bullet points." And mm-hmm. I think that it would be really good if you learned how to be, you know, pretty good at a few things rather than trying to get it all done. And so, um, you know, doing research on that we um, were distracted 47% of the day. So uh, Harvard has done tests where they put beepers on professionals and they say, every time you're distracted, hit the beeper. Mm -hmm. And they started this test initially and um, they rolled it out more and more times because they they really couldn't believe that about 50% of the day our minds are wandering and we're not productive. Wow. And so you look at the fact, yeah, that, that people get 150 newspapers worth of data a day. Uh, we check our phones on average 150 times a day. And when it comes down to it, when we are actually focused, 41% of the time, it's not on high priority items, it's on low priority items. Interesting. And so you look at the uh, research, you know, first off, we're, we're addicted to the technology, right? It's built in order to make us addicted to using it and to get sucked into it. Um, on top of that, we're all very, very stressed out. And um, and we're trying to do it all. And so what I developed after talking to this one particular manager who called me out um, I d- developed my daily deltas. And basically, this is where every morning after my mindfulness practice, when my sympathetic nervous system is, is calm, right? I'm in a clear, focused state of mind. I sit back and I think about the three high impact activities that I need to focus on that day. And, um, you know, in my sales role, I, I did this very same thing and, and um when I lead people through it and you know, sales leaders are going, There's no way that you only get three things done a day. And no, they're not the only things I get done. They're the high priority things that I do first thing. Mm-hmm. And if I can't do them first thing, then I schedule them into my calendar. Like those are my priorities. And um, yeah, it's worked for me where when I was at Cisco, again, I was top 1% of the organization, an average of 140% of plan for over a decade. Um, I work 20 hours a week. Wow.
0: That's so impressive.
2: So it's, it's not, this is not something that's brand new, you know, to me, this is what highly productive people mm-hmm. all over the world have been doing for years. And, um, it just takes actually the discipline and focus to put it in place.
1: No question though, because especially you were in sales management. And so in sales, I mean, I imagine you had a lot of meetings throughout your day. And so I know I hear from a lot of people like, I can never get my work done because I'm in so many meetings, especially at a large company, which clearly you were at. So how did the meetings factor, and we can have a whole side discussion about meetings, being busy work and all these other things, but like, how did that factor in? yep
2: so for me um it meant you know i i I'm a morning person, so I would wake up early in the morning mm-hmm. and this practice you know i I had kind of my schedule um I was also very discerning with my own schedule, and i would I would you know ask my employees to be mindful mm-hmm. as well, so when it comes to like mindfully scheduling appointments, do you really need me there? do we really need to have X, Y, Z meeting, just because the past five years, we've always had it every week. Mm -hmm. It was really asking Mm -hmm. people who I work with to become more conscious of their behaviors. And one, that eradicated a lot of those meetings that were just wasted. Or um, I was able to push back on people and say, do I really need to be there? So that freed up time. But then two, like I said, I was a morning person. So for me, it meant my day would start at 8 o'clock in the morning. And I would really try and block out most days at eight till 10 o'clock time to really get that strategic stuff done. Um, I would also make sure that, um, you know, the admin type things that were in my role that most of us have, mm-hmm. um, that I would schedule those for either the last hour or 30 minutes of my day, or I would just group them all and put it in a calendar invite for Friday afternoons. And so, When you start becoming more mindful about being present in the moment, you're able to discern, is this really a priority? Is this really something that deserves my attention right now? Or can I move it to another day? If so, let me put it on the calendar, but I don't have to think about it again. I just look at my calendar and it tells me what to
0: do. (laughs) Awesome.
1: Now, how does something like Slack or those types of things that I feel like are mindfulness killers in a way... Like, would you just turn it off or how, how would you, how did you deal with the IM Slack type of tools?
0: Not to mention Twitter and Facebook and all the other social, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, um, it's interesting. I had a client who I was going through the same process with him and he was like, there's usually one person in every group who's like, no way, there's no way I'm going to do this and disable notifications and all that. And um, he came back to my last meeting and goes, I I suddenly realized that if my house was burning down, I wouldn't like email or slack it or tweet Mm 911. Like I would call 911. And so um, what he realized was like, look, you need to start having this, this digital communication etiquette. Likewise, you know, with the meetings, same thing with your teams and people you work with and your clients, letting them know, hey, you know, I'm going to be checking my blocking out and checking my email, checking my digital communication devices three times a day. Mm -hmm. And when I do that, I will respond back to you as soon as possible. If there is an emergency, this for me is the best way to reach me. And, um, you know, I work with a lot of realtors too, right? Realtors, they do have sensitive timelines and they literally could have some issues happen if they're not um, responsive. Mm -hmm. And so working with them in their job role, that meant, okay, instead of like literally every second checking your phone and your email, let's take that to every 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. And so I think it really comes back to like, what's your role? What are your responsibilities? And can we stretch that so you can get the maximum benefits out of not checking everything all the time? Um, But to go back to your original question, which I think I veered off on, um, you know, the, the tips that I say are one, um, use screen time um or any sort of app that can help you monitor your usage because awareness is the first part. Um you can also use screen time for the second part, which is preventing access. Mm-hmm. So you can use, you know, screen time again, any other app um to help prevent. So hey, I only have 15 minutes a day, I'm allowed to go on Instagram. It will block you off there after that that 15 minutes is up. Um And then the third part is really that like digital communication conversation and really starting to set expectations. Um, I had some of the largest financial institution customers in the country, literally say a downtime for even a second, it could cost the world billions of dollars. Mm -hmm. And I had this exact conversation with them. Hey, I just want you to know that when I'm working on your projects or I'm in meetings with you... I am 100% present because I want to make sure I'm giving you the best quality of information. I'm not making errors on any of your designs. Um, I'm as creative as possible. And so what I ask you is to respect that when I'm in other meetings with other people that I'm allowed to do the same thing. And you know, with that being said, I check my email three times a day. If there's an emergency, this is the best way to reach me. Mm -hmm. And not one time have I ever said that to anyone? And they've gone, that's unreasonable. They've all said, you know what? I actually appreciate your courage to tell me that you're going to pay attention to me and that you're actually (laughs) taking steps to do that. Mm
0: -hmm. That's great.
1: Awesome.
0: So we mention and talk about meditation and self-care quite a bit on this podcast. It just comes up as, you know, self-care is is an important component of having a strong career, right? So do you have any thoughts on, on how to find the best focus methods for you? I mean, how, for individuals, what, what, what are your thoughts around that? Like, how do you, how do you work with your clients? And uh, it sounds like you work with one method. You want to tell us a little bit about that too?
2: Yeah. So um, I, I teach mindfulness um, and it's, you know, the informal practice and formal practice. So um, what I think is unique to how I uh, this this mindfulness training is that not only do I teach you the formal practice, which is um, meditation. It's a style of meditation in which the whole goal is that we learn to focus on one thing, whether it's the breath, it's, body parts through a body scan and becoming more self-aware, whether it's through thinking about another person and building our compassion muscle, um, those are type of meditations that specifically build um, part of the brain, the neocortex, for focus and concentration. Um, What I also teach and have designed is the workplace technique, the informal practice. So you can you know, practice meditation. But what I like to say is it's really great when you can live it as well and when you can actually bring it into the workplace with you. And so um, I like to couple, you know, if I'm focusing that week on a concentration practice, for instance, uh, that's where in your meditation, you're focusing on your breath. And as you exhale, you count. Um, When I'm teaching that, I like to also teach the daily delta method, right? So how do you actually focus at work? Um, if I'm teaching on self-awareness, um, I also like to teach a uh, leadership technique of how to check in with yourself as you're talking to employees, so you're more self-aware, and it's um, using non-violent communication cues on how to be more present with your employees while you're talking to them, so you're saying the right thing and you're, um, you know, having a greater positive impact. So. So yeah, that's, um, I hope I answered your question.
0: (laughs) It wasn't the clearest of of questions. So uh, you absolutely Mm -hmm. did. I just wanted to kind of get a sense of, I think that different methods work for different people Mm -hmm. and it sounds like you provide them with a variety of different methods and probably encourage them to use what works. Exactly. And um, this morning I I got a a
2: question. um, I have an online learning platform. So my, my, uh, clients can email me and say, hey, you know, I tried this meditation and this is how it went. Like, is this right? Is this wrong? And um, it was interesting because in the self-awareness meditation, um, it was just a breath scan. And it was simply just following the breath as it comes in and out of the body and noticing how the body changes as you're breathing. And that technique made her super anxious. Mm -hmm. And she was like, I literally, it it was, she's like, I couldn't get through the 10 minutes because I was so incredibly anxious. And so, um, you know, for some people, some of these methods don't work because we're not, we're not ready to go there. Right. Um, and for others, there can bring up a lot of emotions that we aren't quite ready to handle. And that's, that's, you know, why we end up becoming these multitaskers and workaholics because we don't want to deal with some of these feelings. And so I urge everyone Uh, one, to really just take it slowly and be gentle with ourselves. Um, If we're having a hard time with the practice, I remind people that literally you don't have to go, like you have nowhere else to be at that moment. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, just being there and practicing it and the whole art of being distracted and then coming back, that's actually what builds our neurological muscles Mm -hmm. so we can focus and concentrate for longer periods. And so when people think they're messing up, that's actually the practice. Like mm-hmm. that's the part that's going to make you better and better and stronger and stronger at, at focusing for longer periods of time. So I think there's that, that piece of this, right, is find what works best for you. Maybe stretch yourself a little bit because it's going to be uncomfortable because we're not used to using right. this right. focus and concentration muscle. But if it is causing major emotional distress, then that's okay to, to maybe move on to a different practice. Um, for people who, again, are curious and want to bring this into their organizations, I would also make sure that, um, you know, you are careful um, and you've talked illegal or, um, you know, you, you, you do know that, that there is a risk for those who are not mentally stable that this could be something that isn't, you know, it shouldn't be forced upon anyone. It should be totally voluntary and, um, and make sure you've had those discussions internally to make sure that you understand what the liabilities are.
1: Totally. I had a client once who said they wanted to have a for like they wanted to force meditation. I'm like, you can't force it. You cannot force everyone in the office into a room to practice mindfulness together. That will be or meditation together. That will not go well for you.
0: It's a surefire way to turn people off, right? If they're if it's a mandatory yeah. thing, right.
1: but if it's available, yeah. that'd be yeah. amazing. And for those who want it, that's phenomenal. But nobody is forced to go because that's going to really challenge your staff. And
2: I know I'm probably not supposed to say this, but I mean, you can practice meditation for 30 minutes a day and still be a jerk, oh, you know? Yeah. And so <laughs> I, I,
0: there's 23 hours and 30 minutes left.
2: <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, I got some folks, uh, there was one gentleman on my team who said, look, like I just, I can't meditate. It is it is not my thing. I have other practices for being present, and I just said I, re- I respect it. And just watching mm-hmm. him and the way he worked, how he conducted himself, he was probably the most mindful person on my team mm-hmm. without having you know a, a formal practice in place. And so, yeah, everybody, I, I do not want to be that mm-hmm. person that says this is the end all be all. Um, you know, it's a great tool for for some people, and. Mm-hmm. Others, you know, as long as you're a good person, you're, you're present, you're focused, whatever, you know, tools get you there.
1: Well, and I think just introducing the concept, even if someone doesn't want to do a meditation practice or something like that, you've introduced this concept of being mindful, watching your time, um, watching your responses to different mediums. It's someone has to take something away from that, whether or not they're being still for 20, 30 minutes a day. So it's, just watching others and how they conduct themselves, you have to learn from just being around it. And from the way you have, someone had to interact with you, they're going to pick up things.
0: Right. You're modeling, you're modeling the leadership, which is very cool. Uh, One thing I wanted to add while we were talking about different, different techniques, I, I think it's fascinating the research that has been done, how, you know, uh, coloring, and doodling does the same thing to uh as meditation to your brain to your brain waves and i think you know there are there are solutions out there that will work for people so it's it's just a matter of yeah. you know keep on you know e- even if you don't think meditation is for you it may be that the meditation techniques that you've learned in the past may not be for you but there's so many different things and you can also just open up a coloring book and color mm-hmm. and get similar benefits so you know keep on trying new tools and then when you find some that work for you then stick with those yeah and like i i was a marathon runner and i would
2: i would call my runs like my moving meditation you know um, you know, running eighteen miles is the complete opposite of sitting for thirty minutes. Right. Um, and and I I got the same benefits out of it, and so I think you know we'll, we'll find more and more of that. I think as as we're starting to do research on this this whole you know idea of presence and um, how the brain works, but yeah, the only thing I think that meditation what it what it does help cultivate though is that. Space for self awareness and self reflection mm-hmm. that I think is really important. Um, we live in a society right now where um, we're constantly bombarded. As I said, 270 newspapers worth of data a day. The majority of that stuff is trying to tell us how we should be living our lives, what we should be eating, how much we should be eating, when we should be eating it. You know, and you know, just using food as an example, and having that um, space and time for us to figure out what actually works for us and feels good to us is, um, it's really important.
0: And just allowing yourself silence, right? I mean, there's always something going on and to create however, however long, you know, just whatever your practice is to create a little bit of time for silence. It's, uh,
2: mm-hmm.
0: it, it keeps us sane.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the only, uh, and the only last point I'll add is, is really, um, I don't know if you guys have heard about the happiness set point.
1: Mm-mm, what's that?
2: So um, they're able to show from a genetic, from a chemical uh, perspective, like where you normally are when you are just at your baseline happiness. And -hmm. they've shown through studies that, um, you know, say you won the lottery. You know, maybe short-term, your happiness set point would rise um, or your happiness level would rise, but it would eventually just return back to that happiness set point within a year. Likewise, if you became a quadriplegic, it would probably go down Mm -hmm. and then your happiness would end up right where that happiness set point is. Um, And so we know that extrinsic and uh, material things do not actually impact our happiness. But what they've been able to show is that meditation uh, can impact it, and it's just by again exercising and activating the right parts of our brain, um, and cultivating that that inner knowing, that self awareness, um, you know, joy. Um, that that's something that it does do. And you know, I think if you told me, hey, you, know, you can just sit and do nothing for 30 minutes and you'll be a happier person, mm-hmm. um, hey, sign me up you know, it's free.
1: <laughs> awesome. No one tells you it's free. <laughs> <laughs> no. So to move on to like, to people management and yep. you manage large teams and you talked a little bit about this, but tell us a little bit more about your secret to successful teams and how to build a successful team, either from scratch or take over a team and make them successful. Like, I'd love to hear your thoughts on how to bring a team together using these methodologies?
2: Yeah. Um, So when I took over the failing business, uh, you know, the the team on average was at 67% of planned uh, because the main product that we sold um, basically... became obsolete (laughs) while, while I was, uh, you know, moving into this role. And so I had, you know, most of the folks in my team, um, sales folks who are senior folks in New York city where it's super expensive, uh, to live and highly competitive were about 40% of plans. So if you can imagine that's really bad. Um, and so I had major turnover, about 80% of my team turnover. So I had to rebuild my team, And the folks that I did bring in, I've been gone for a year and a half now, and everyone that I hired is still there, and they are top performers in the operation um, and how that happened. Um, So I think the first step is self, you know, you've got to cultivate, like we said, you know, starting with the monotasking, being very, very productive, make sure you're not wasting your time, make sure, you know, you're able to show up in meetings appropriately too. Um, it goes into self-awareness. You must be a self-aware leader. It is so important because uh, we have something called mirror neurons. Um, basically, when I am thinking something or I do something, um it actually activates the same part of your brain as if you were doing or thinking it. Mm-hmm. And so we all day long are being activated and influenced by people around us. And if we're not self-aware, um, then we can act unconsciously on those things. And so when you're a leader, it is so important again to be self-aware because people are going to pick up on on, wow, they're really stressed out, makes me feel really stressed out. They're really negative. I' I feel really negative. And so it starts to permeate throughout the team. And so one, it was really you know making sure that I was as self-aware as possible so I could exude that executive presence despite the fact that, You know, right before that meeting, I was jumping on a call with my manager who was ripping me a new one because we we weren't hitting our numbers, right? Um, And then uh, from there, you're attracting, I think, the right talent. Um, Mm -hmm. People are like, hey, I have this friend. I'm totally going to vouch that they should work for you. Because I think we all know, um, and you guys are in HR, our best leads for talent, I hate saying this because I'm sure recruiters are listening to this, but our best leads come from the people that we work with you know, and and they can honestly vouch for people. And so it is so important how we show up. You're constantly building your bench that way. Um, And then you're able to develop the people that you have and make sure they stay. Um, The third part, the people you actually have, um, I think leading with compassion and empathy is, and being able to mindfully listen to people, truly listen to people is like the secret sauce leadership. Um, mindfully listening, am I totally present with you and listening to your complete sentence before I am thinking about my response to you?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: More often than not, I went through this exercise where we had to repeat the last letter of the last word someone said. And by doing that exercise, it made me have to listen right to the person's complete sentence until... I could hear that last letter, last word, so I could respond. And it made me realize how often I was sitting in meetings and I wasn't actually listening to what they're saying. I was either thinking about judging them or I was thinking about what I was going to say next. Mm -hmm. And that's a terrible way to show up. Like, no, we've got to be present with one another. And then the the compassion, empathy. So um, empathy means to be able to put ourselves in the shoes of another person. Mm -hmm. And like, can we walk in those shoes? And then compassion is where you go, damn, those shoes are too tight and I want to help you find another pair that fits. And so psychopaths, they have empathy, right? They feel your pain, but they lack no compassion. Mm-hmm. And so you don't want to be in a manipulative leader, right? That's not thats not going to be someone that people want to work for or stay, stay with, right? You want to be the person who will say, wow, I can really understand what it's like in this moment for you. Um, let's try and make this better. Let me remove the obstacles or I need to actually hold you accountable right now. Mm -hmm. And compassion and empathy don't mean coddling. It means really being able to put ourselves in the shoes and and do the right thing in the moment as a leader. Um, And then the last part is uh, dealing with uh, anxiety and stress and burnout. And that's through being able to accept it um, as leaders. Like we're probably gonna get handed a bad number one year, a bad quarter, a bad employee, whatever it is, and we have to decide on the things and focus on the things we can change and impact, or we have to accept it that we can't and put our energy on the things that we can.
0: Sorry, that was a long dive. No, it's a great <laughs> perspective is everything, right? I mean, it, mm-hmm. it, it is everything in this. Question for you. Um, how do you deal with people who aren't performing well? Mm-hmm. Yikes, I've had a lot of those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i
2: think it goes back to just like i said earlier it's it's being present Mm -hmm. um it's checking in with myself to be self-aware like to make sure i'm not judging them right off the bat Mm -hmm. and to truly understand the situation and and communicate clearly with them what the roles and expectations of their job are Mm -hmm. before i jump to conclusions and having clear communication and setting expectations properly yeah, it comes down to, like I said, that, that self-awareness is so yep. critical. Make sure we're not judging and jumping to conclusions and creating more drama. Um, it's that compassion, empathy, not coddling, mm-hmm. um, compassion, empathy. So we can really understand, are there, is, are there things there as leaders that we should be helping them with? Or is this a role that they just really shouldn't be in? Mm-hmm. And we need to have that really honest conversation with each other about that. And I had a manager do that with me in a role that I hated. It -hmm. ended up leading to me changing my life in the most positive way possible. And so, um, you know, as leaders, it it, it might mean that we have to lose someone on our team in order to help them get to a better place. But you can't do all of that if you're constantly distracted and stressed out, or, you know, you're just not listening. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm all for, as someone who's a Z player in one role is an A player in another Mm -hmm. role. It's up to you to find the right role for them and to talk to them. And sometimes those hard conversations, it may lead to a bummer in a termination or what have you, but that just opens the door to the next chapter. So how do you incorporate hiring? When you're hiring, my guess is that your interview style is different from other people's. And so What would someone expect if they were interviewing with you for a job on your team?
2: So I really like doing um, phone calls where there's no video. It's not face-to-face. It's purely like audio. So I can truly listen to this person and not be distracted by anything else. And I'll tell you actually a very funny story because I went through a four-month interview process um, with someone who literally five minutes into my first phone call with him, I was like, oh my God, this guy has no experience in this industry. He hasn't been in sales that long, but he is the right person for this job. And for various reasons, I actually never got to meet him in person. And at the end of this, because of course I worked for a big corporation who was very PC. Um, I had one later pull me inside and go, you know, um, when I first met him, I thought the only reason that you wanted to hire him was because he's literally a model. Like uh, this man is beautiful. And, uh, and then when we, I actually had the you know conversation with him, I, I knew right away why you had hired him or why you wanted to hire him. Um, but it just goes to show there are a lot of bias out there. There's yeah, still a lot of bias out absolutely. there. I tried my, my very best to not let that affect me. For me, when, you know, doing those phone conversations right off the bat is extremely important. So I can like truly hear this person and ask them questions and find myself not making excuses for like why I need to hire them or the games we play. Totally. And then the second part's really being right after I'm done meeting with them, I typically will like journal out my my thoughts and feelings, like my intuition Mm -hmm. right away, because that that first instinct is like almost always correct. And, um, like I said, that last team that I hired on just rock stars and they're all still there.
0: That's great. I love that you used your intuition as part of your process, that, that gut feeling, um, Mm -hmm. you know, when we hone in on it can certainly serve us well.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For sure. You talked about that team that you took over and how they were like the product was kind of obsolete and sales is own numbers and metricsy. You know, is it hard to keep a people centric approach when you're managing people and when you've got a product that just isn't that great? I mean, how, I want to know about that part of the turnaround.
2: Mm. Yeah, and that's where I think you know the mindfulness practice really comes in in the form of. Um, one just being uh, present with like what's actually going on, so you can manage up and manage down effectively. Because there are two different ways. When I was managing up, it was with the numbers. When you're managing down, um, you know my folks needed it. it was it was more of a people uh, tr- like transaction, if you want to call it people oriented transaction, where I was very numbers oriented when I was managing up. Um, so being able to distinguish between the two, and then as I touched on. Um, You know, it's being able to accept what you can control and not control is critical. Um, I would see a lot of my peers, you know, have a bad quarter, know that they probably weren't going to be able to recover. You know, there's like three weeks left in the quarter and they have a million dollar gap and they weren't going to be able to recover from it, but they would just burn all their energy, stressing their folks out. Let's offer discounts here. Let's do that there you know, this bad behavior that sets a bad precedent. um, It's very, um, you know, that's a lot of energy from your people. So they can't consistently perform, nor are they even focusing on building pipeline that you need for the next quarter. And so um, being able to like balance that and go, okay, like what levers do I push so I can be the most effective leader is is really key. But I almost hate saying this. And I wonder if I'd even, you know, ever get a sales uh, leadership job after saying this um, because i I believe this when I was in the role but I never actually said it um, I don't think that sales is about the numbers. Mm-hmm. I think sales is about identifying problems out there for our clients mm-hmm. and truly giving a shit <laughs> and like wanting to solve for those and that the second that we make it about a number and using people to get to you know this number that honestly if we look at it, those growth goals are sent by who, for what reason? Shareholder return. I mean, the whole cycle has nothing to do with people. And so I think it's really got to stop somewhere. And the most effective sellers that I saw were the people who really understood that it was between the customer and them, and that they were there Mm -hmm. as this ally to help that customer move forward.
1: I could not agree more. And I look at that as, as a leadership. Yeah, it drives me nuts when companies are like, but it didn't close on June 30th. It closed on July 4th or 3rd probably, but who cares? Did it close when it gets so granular of things that are out of control? It it just is so demotivating to people, which just doesn't help anybody.
2: And and that's where that accountability really comes into play. It's like, did you miss your number because your people you know, are working from home and they're not starting work till 10 o'clock, or maybe they're disengaged from your mm-hmm. organization. Is that why you missed your numbers? Or do you miss your numbers? Because, well, your fiscal year, it ends in the middle of the summer and people yes. are on vacation. And it's just like a really shitty time. Yes. Or the fact that like the client, you know, had some internal processes that they got caught up in, mm-hmm. but they're committed to to you know, this project. Um, and I think that there's a you. It has to go into like that why you know. Yeah. And then once you can really say, okay, no, everybody's engaged, everybody's on board. Um, then that's how we move forward as organizations. And mm-hmm. you know, like I said, if if salespeople are realizing that it's about their clients, why aren't we, from a business perspective, understanding the value of what our overall purpose as an organization is to the greater mm-hmm. community? Because if our purpose is just shareholder return, that is quite different from what PR campaigns are putting out there. Um, And and, and we need to realign, you know, (laughs) like we need to, we need to make that very obvious that, you know what, our company is really just after making sure we hit our quarterly return Mm -hmm. and, you know, remove that face of like, oh, we're here to help solve X, Y, and Z when really, no, you're not like, Mm -hmm. yeah,
1: yeah. Totally.
0: This has just been a super fascinating conversation. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. How can people find you? And also, you know, what are the types of people that come to you? What, who are the people that should reach out to you? <laughs> so when I started this, I thought that I would
2: only be working with millennials. Um, mm-hmm. And what I've turned out, what's turned out is that every age, race, you know, the two sexes, or, or, you know, however people want to identify, <laughs> like everybody's in my programs. And the common denominator is really like who wants to perform better? Who wants to be more productive? Who doesn't want to keep working in this rat race, touchscreen society where we're not fulfilled and we are burnt out? And so I get um, really along the gamut um, of folks. The best way to reach me is to go to my website, to join my uh, newsletter. And your website? Opendeltas.com. And uh, the name of my business, so a delta is a triangle and that means change. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a little gap in the top of it. So it's an open delta. And that means that um, open to change. You know, my whole business model is around creating a change in the way that we do things. And so, yeah, you can go to my website, www.opendeltas.com. Join my website, or you can check out my programs. And again, starting in September, um, after you go through, uh, there's an on-demand four-week course that kind of gives you the basics of mindfulness and and how to practice and all of that. Um, I highly recommend joining the monthly subscription, which is again very nominal, um, like like cycle class, um, <laughs> you know, okay. pricing. Okay um, monthly. So, you know, you can keep consistent. There's a
0: community, um, you get coaching from me and, um, lots of good information. So. Awesome. Before we wrap up tonight, I know that you are hosting a retreat and I believe it's sometime this summer. You want to tell us a little bit about that?
2: Yeah. Thank you. Um, I've got a retreat in October in Northern California. Um, this will be I've done this one before it's for female leaders, or high-potential leaders, and it's a uh, just a weekend retreat at a luxury farmhouse in Northern California on the coast. It's absolutely beautiful at a, uh, a goat cheese farm, oh, wow. and um, there are like baby cows. We do yokes. I'm also a Pilates um, yoga instructor, and so we do uh, yoga in the morning with these uh, baby goats. We take hikes, and um, you're basically getting in that weekend that four-week course. Um, But it's highly, highly curated. And it's also a weekend of um, detox. So we've got a chef who has uh, prepared all of the food. This will be a fall detox and um, yeah, sound baths and hot tub and lots of self care. Yep.
0: Wonderful. And so you can find out about that information on opendeltas.com, right? Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. It was really fun to talk to you.
1: It was great. Thank you. Thanks for and Kat. Thank you. Bye. This is Real Job Talk, a podcast about jobs, careers, and what's not said at the water cooler.
0: Our website with all Real Job Talk related information is realjobtalk.com.
1: We'd love to hear from you. Please send us your questions, topics you'd like to talk about, and Real Job Talk stories. And you may find them featured on a future episode. Use the website or email us at realjobtalk at gmail.com.
0: You can follow us on Twitter at realjobtalk
1: and on Instagram and Facebook at realjobtalkshow.
0: My name is Kat Troyer. You can find me on Twitter at DailyCat and on LinkedIn, you can find me via Kathleen Nelson Troyer.
1: And I'm Liz Bronson. On Twitter, I'm at Liz Beeks and Salt. And on LinkedIn, I'm Liz Bronson.
0: Real Job Talk is a tech reckoning production. Our producer is John Mark Troyer. Our graphic artists are Lexi and Zachary Bronson. And we're here by the water cooler waiting to talk with you.